Man, I mean, yo, last week we opened up this podcast talking about positive reframing, you know, started putting it into practice and the dividends are paying immediately, at least for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a good couple days for sure. You know, even outside of football, uh, you know that I dabble into the NHL. It's probably my second favorite sport at this point, and NHL has been good, twelve and one over the last week uh, in props. So that's been good, and basketball has been okay. I mean, obviously Taco Tuesdays, we always get NBA now with the NBA season in full swing, and those never hit. Shout out to Julius Randle yesterday, absolutely stole Christmas from me. <laughs> But nonetheless, it's still been a good week. And like I said on the Monday pod, that's the definition of speaking what you want into existence, right? Like we talked about it on the cold open on the Wednesday pod last week. And we said, like, what if everything we went through is leading up to something better? You know, what if this is the week? And it has been the week. I've posted a majority of these plays in the Discord. So if you want to join the Discord, the link for that is in the description. Free to join. We've been posting a lot of our prize picks, plays, and underdog plays because it's important to line shop, boys and girls like the most important when it comes to like getting good value. I mean, w literally had a pick I was going to do in the YouTube video for prize picks, but there was a better line on underdogs. So you got to just, you got to take advantage of that yeah. every single time. Yeah. Which I, I think is the easiest edge for casual gamblers, right? Like that, that's the simplest thing you could do. Even if you're just betting lines in spreads and totals, like go on a plethora of apps like ESPN action, the score, whatever, and just compare odds between sports books and find the best line. And you could do the same with player props because there's you know a couple platforms now you have underdog price picks sleeper vivid and i'm probably forgetting a couple more and all it takes is literally just go on the app and see which one has the best line and then play on that app so i've been doing really well on underdog and i still have some bonus money to use on there so i've just been using that bonus money because i mean this is a whole nother conversation but they they pay out 50 percent of promo winnings in bonus money which Chogs. i don't I don't necessarily agree with uh, prize picks doesn't do that, but they did that uh, either way. And I have to play on underdog. I usually play on prize picks, but yeah, I mean, it's been a good week. Um, positive thinking, no more posting in the discord. That shit ain't hitting. You know, you haven't seen that from me. Nah, this last I've, week. I've seen the, I've seen the opposite. I've seen this shit's going to hit and it's yeah. fucking hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You like, it really is that simple to just try and uh, change your, you're thinking about everything in life to a more positive approach, even though it really is hard to do that. You know, that's something that I've talked about with my therapist and trying to become a more positive person, a less negative person. And that's definitely something that I want to work on. And, you know, over the past week, it's it's helped uh, trying to shift our mindset into, you know, thinking that we could win and we you know we maybe we've just had some bad variants and i mean variance is always going to be there but definitely cap capitalizing on the good variants while i have it uh, so hopefully we can keep that going into this week let's get into it What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 276 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. 
I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about the week 16 main slate on DraftKings. We'll get into some slate specifics, talk about the cash game lineup construction, and hit on some tournament strategy to close things out, leverage, stacks, and long shots. Joey, a full slate of NFL games on Christmas Eve, Saturday. How you feeling about it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Um, you know, this usually happens what once every what is it, seven years or something? Yep, S- seven, eight years. Uh, where Christmas falls on a Sunday, and they they play the games on Saturday. So yeah, just a nice uh, main slate to get into, and you know, it's the best time of the year. So best time of the year, not the best slate of the year, man. Let me tell you, this slate looks you know, frankly, kind of disgusting from just a surface level. It's a 10 game main slate with eight games early and two games in the afternoon. Just a horrid job by the NFL in terms of distribution. I don't know why there's only two games on in the afternoon. Guess maybe they think that people are going to be out doing stuff with their families instead of, you know, degenerately gambling and, and sweating their favorite teams. Could never be me. In terms of totals, it's a very depressing sight to see. We have two games that look decent. Chiefs, Seahawks, and Vikings, Giants both totaled at 48 and a half. And then we have four games with totals of 38 or lower. Everything else is sitting in a very uninspiring middle ground. The top five implied team totals this week, KC 29.25, Minnesota 26, Dallas 25.5, Buffalo 24.75, and Detroit at 23 flat. What stands out to you this week from a Vegas perspective? Yeah, I mean, obviously the slate is horrible from a Vegas perspective. And you know, my main question to you is, are you scared of the weather? So what are we talking here? I saw that the winds are supposed to be really bad in a couple of spots, which gives me a lot more concern than snow does. I I think it it directly affects passing when it's over like 15 miles per hour consistently. And I I saw something about 20 miles per hour in the Patriots game, as well as the Bills and Bears game, which definitely gives me uh, some pause in those spots. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's more so not about snow it's more so about freezing temperatures so in seattle and kansas city one of the best games on the slate supposed to be somewhere between zero to nine degrees with 10 miles an hour wind patriots game going to be in the low 20s 10 to 15 mile an hour winds tennessee kind of around the same thing buffalo chicago going to be a little bit of ugly weather there high winds 20 to 25 miles an hour gusts up to 35 feels like negative 10 degrees the cleveland game looks pretty much unplayable with snow cold temperatures 20 to 30 mile an hour winds with gusts over 40 so a lot of these games are going to be impacted by weather and it is weather wind that is a little bit concerning when talking about football um and fantasy football specifically so definitely a lot of situations to monitor and it could definitely uh impact some of the decisions that we make i don't think i've ever seen a game totaled at 32 before that's got to be the <laughs> lowest i've ever seen in this cleveland saints game that that is atrocious that makes I me mean, want to throw up in my mouth yeah you you can't play anybody from that game <laughs> to be honest jesus that's that is terrible all right i mean let's let's jump into things i mean i think that you know from a DraftKings perspective you know, games themselves aside, it's it's relatively interesting. We have a lot of 
decisions to make in terms of how we want to allocate our salary. And quarterback is a prime example of that. I've got four names written down right now as potential cash plays, and they're all over the board in terms of pricing. I mean, at the pay up, I think that Patrick Mahomes stands out quite a bit. You mentioned the weather concerns there. I think you could say the same thing about Josh Allen, but I I trust the situation a little bit more in KC because of the reduced potential for wins. So that kind of, in my opinion, makes Mahomes a standout over both Josh Allen and Justin Fields in those games. And then Jalen Hurts, obviously highly questionable for this game with the shoulder injury that popped up late in the week. And on that subject, we may have Gardner Minshew available to us, which is, you know, very interesting. I I think priced all the way down at 4,800. And then in the mid range, Dak Prescott, Geno Smith is a couple of options as well. I think you could go in pretty much any direction you want in cash this week. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Patrick Mahomes is probably going to be a, a better value than Josh Allen on this slate. So I agree there. Uh, game environment, best on the slate. Mahomes, obviously, so, so good. He's actually averaging more DraftKings points than Josh Allen on the season. So I think I'd be comfortable going there. Lamar Jackson at 7,200 looks interesting as well if he's able to get back against Atlanta, but probably not cash game viable there. In the mid-range, Geno Smith, 5,800. Definitely agree that he is going to be the guy in this range if you want to play a mid-range quarterback on the road against Kansas City, a must-win game that you perfectly outlined in your prop video which everybody should watch at the dose media network on youtube mm-hmm. he's in play and then gardner Minshew at 4800 will probably be chalk if jalen hurts is out i mean we have one of the best game environments on the slate right now in a dome in a potential shootout and gardner Minshew's capable right like he's capable of getting these playmakers the ball and he has he still has aj brown devonta smith dallas goddard should be back miles sanders an elite offensive line a good head coach like I'd, I'd be super comfortable playing Gardner Minshew at 4,800 even in a tough matchup uh, the spot would just set up really well for Gardner Minshew and I mean if he's available you probably go there to be honest yeah that's that's my lean as well this kind of feels like an OG DraftKings slate where the the plays that I want to pay up for this week are the expensive running backs we have a cheap punt quarterback and then a bunch of value at wide receiver I mean god this feels like you know when we started the podcast four or five years ago (laughs) yeah absolutely all right so the running back position this week I think is relatively weak in terms of value I really don't don't see much that I feel comfortable with that is, you know, 6K or below. I think that really it's the top guys that that stand out the most to me. I mean, we have Derrick Henry against Houston. You already know what that is. That's a walking 200 waiting to happen. So, I mean, that seems like a really, really strong play this week at 8,600. Christian McCaffrey is playing like Christian McCaffrey from three years ago. The workload is absolutely insane. The target share is phenomenal with Brock Purdy at quarterback. We have Saquon Barkley in a good spot. Another game that has massive playoff implications. 7,900 coming off of a season high eight target performance last week. Decent spot against Minnesota. Dalvin Cook in that same game. A bit of a salary saver, but still strong in the low 7Ks at 7,200. So, I mean, I honestly at this point in the week feel like paying up and prioritizing two of these plays is probably the optimal route in cash games. Yeah, I mean, there's just not a ton of value at the running back position. Um, You know, taking a look at some of the players on the cheap end, uh, there's nothing really too inspiring. So it does look like you will be paying up to both of your running back spots. I wonder if uh, Kamara is going to project super well again. Same price, great matchup. 
you know, he had 23 touches last week. He's 6,800. I think from a process standpoint, if you're just looking at the touches and the price and the player, like he's probably going to project well. Just kind of left a, a, a sore taste in people's mouths last week. Don't know if people will go there, but regardless, I, I, I think like if he was chalk last week, he should probably be chalk once again. Derrick Henry, I mean, he's part owner of this Houston Texans franchise, right? Like Majority shareholder, I would say. Like, yeah like this this dude's prop on underdog is 120.5 <laughs> so you know if if he's right at his proper or right over his prop like that's 15 DraftKings points right there uh and then the touchdown upside is extremely high he went off for 38.8 points against Houston earlier in the season you know two touchdowns 219 rushing yards it was just a bloodbath but Derrick Henry hasn't been that good at home this season, so maybe that's the hole you could poke in in the big dog. But I mean, he, he's still a great play, eighty six hundred. Uh, we'll probably get Derrick Henry breaking the slate. To be honest, CMC, not much needs to be said about him. He's just the goat. And then Saquon Barkley, seventy nine hundred is okay. Good to see him get involved uh, a bit more in the passing game. And I just think that the Giants know that they have to utilize him more in that fashion, especially with the injuries that they've had at wide receiver. And you know, th- this is playoff territory right like the Giants are in a prime position to make the playoffs and I feel like they understand that they have to use Saquon more than how they've been using him so I think he's okay but my my lean would probably be getting in Derrick Henry and CMC this week depending on Ramondre status Ramondre at 7.1 would be interesting uh, as well yeah no definitely Ramondre would be would be interesting just to see him come in after like being questionable all week and and drop 27.8 points on DraftKings, you know, rush for 172 yards. Just really, really good showing out of Ramondre. If he plays, I think that he'll definitely be in the in the conversation as well. Responding to what you said about Alvin Kamara, I mean, we did just get done talking about how every player in that game is unplayable. And we talked on Monday's recap episode about no matter what we think about Kamara, he's just not the player he used to be. It's tough because I think he will project well. I mean, J.K. Dobbins just ran for 125 yards against the same defense last week. I, I like the spot is good. He should project well once again. I don't think too much changes from the way he projected last week. It's just so hard to like stomach it. And if you play him again and he's bad, it's like, what what are we really doing? Like we we should have expected this. So I don't know. It's tough. I'm kind of hoping that the the field is too hurt by what happened last week to play him. And then, you know, that would set him up as a really strong tournament play. But I, I don't think I really want to go there and cash. I feel like I would rather just, you know, take the safety in somebody like David Montgomery. Montgomery, perhaps for 300 less. Kenneth Walker, if he plays, would be interesting at 6,400. He saw five targets last week without Tyler Lockett there. I think that they utilize him a little bit more in the pass game, should have a better target share. They have absolutely no pass catchers outside of DK Metcalf. You know, you could make a case for for somebody like Zeke if you want to just take the safety of, you know, between 12 and 18 points. He's going to get you that every single week, nothing more, nothing less. And then, I mean, like on the, on the far outside of play, that I would like potentially consider like Jarek McKinnon if you believe that he is going to stay as hot as he's been lately. I mean, he's been the running back one overall on DraftKings for two consecutive weeks and now he gets the best matchup he's had in that stretch. Pass game role has been absolutely elite 17 targets over the last two weeks. Do you trust McKinnon's role going into this 
spot against Seattle. Yeah, I mean, Jarek McKinnon has been so, so good recently. And, you know, in close games, in games where the Chiefs are down, Jarek McKinnon is going to be the guy, right? I I just think that they trust him the most in those, you know, high value situations. And at 5,900, I I don't think you can play him in cash. That's too thin. He just seeds too much work to Pacheco, who I'd be interested in for tournaments for sure this week at 5.7. But I, I don't think you could play either of them in cash. Totally skipped over Kenneth Walker at 6.4. I do think Kenneth Walker will be chalk against Kansas City. I mean, the matchup is great. Like you said, they have no Tyler Lockett. He has shown upside in the passing game, and I just think he's going to project pretty well in the spot. You know, he was able to come back from his ankle injury in week 15, had 16 touches. Then now they got like another little mini buy, right? They they played last Thursday um, and they're playing Saturday. So more time to heal up, more time to rest, and they're going to have to use Kenneth Walker, you know, point blank period. Like he's probably going to get 18 to 20 two touches in the spot and he has a ton of touchdown upside he has upside in the passing game and he's cheap so Kenneth Walker 6.4 I, I glossed over him at first but I'm pretty confident that he will be uh, one of the highest owned running backs on this slate I, I think that his status is truly in question though I mean Pete Carroll said we'll see he did miss practice on Tuesday I I We'll just see on that one, to be honest. I want to wait and see how his practice reports look throughout the week. But I mean, if he's good to go, he's probably good to go. And I I agree with you that the spot sets up extremely well. And I I do think that the target floor is higher right now without Tyler Lockett there. And that's definitely a factor. At the wide receiver position, it feels like the high end and and the mid range, which is what we've been playing a lot in cash this year, is the thinnest that it's been all season on a main slate. You know, I don't think that you pay up for Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Stefan Diggs, or AJ Brown this week, all above 8K. In the 7K range, you've got CeeDee Lamb in a really tough matchup in a game environment that definitely takes a hit with Jalen Hurts status up in the air. I don't think that you're playing T. Higgins at 7K. The 6K tier is is completely dried up. There's literally only six wide receivers this week priced between 6,000 and 6,900, and two of them, Tyler Lockett and Debo Samuel, are, are unlikely to play. So in terms of paying up this week. I think if that is the route that you want to go, you're really looking at only two guys, Amon Ross St. Brown at 7,800 and then potentially DK Metcalf at 7,100. Other than that, I'm really looking at the wide receiver position as a way to jam some value in. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the top end is obviously good, like Jeff- Jefferson, go, Diggs, go, uh, but probably won't be able to fit them in in cash, especially if you have to play two expensive running backs. And then Amon Ross St. Brown and DK Metcalf are probably going to project the best out of this range. So I do agree that those guys are probably going to be chalking in cash game wide receivers. Amon Ross St. Brown just gets 10 plus targets every single week. And then DK Metcalf obviously gets a target bump with no Tyler Lockett. And I mean, Metcalf, even with Tyler Lockett, has been a target monster, right? 9, 15, 8, 10, and 9 targets over his last five games. And he's only 7,100 in a great spot against Kansas City. So I would expect those two guys to be the chalk up top. If we're looking at the mid and value range, I mean, the players that stand out to me are Chris Moore at 4,700, you know, barring Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks being out once again. Then you have Marquise Goodwin at 4,300, who should, who should come into a bigger role against the Chiefs. Then you got some of the Giants wide receivers that I think are interesting. Richie James is 3,900. Over the last five weeks, he's had three out of five games with five plus targets. You know, he scored three touchdowns in the 
those five games. So at 3,900, I think he's okay. Isaiah Hodgins is probably okay at 4,100. So the cheap Giants wide receivers are definitely interesting going up against, you know, this Viking secondary that is league worst in the NFL in pretty much every category. Uh, They are just horrible outside of the Tennessee Titans, of course. Other than that, there's really really not too much that that stands out to me. I mean, I think you missed the best value play on the slate, low-key. Who? Who is that? That would be Mr. Drake London at 4800 for $100 more than Chris Moore. He has seen 23 targets over the last two games. He had a 42% target share in Desmond Ritter's first spot. Baltimore secondary quite weak as well. And I just think that, you know, out of all these guys, like I agree with every name that you said in terms of them being cash viable. But I think that Drake London is the type of player who actually has a ceiling related to talent like you're not getting a talent game out of Richie James or Isaiah Hodgins or you know Chris Moore you you could get a volume game out of them sure but Drake London has the potential to do both of those things like this is the time of year we always talk about where rookie wide receivers start to shine he's finally getting the targets that he's lacked all year I I really like him at this price tag of of 4,800 with an incredible target share right now with Desmond Ritter at quarterback yeah I mean definitely definitely looks okay I I mean one for one, I'd, I'd probably play Chris Moore over London if Nico Collins and Cooks are out once again. Obviously, if those guys are, are back in the lineup, you, you can't play Chris Moore. But that that's where I would stand on the, on that uh, situation. I, I would play Chris Moore over Drake London. Commenting on that, Brandon Cooks did return to practice on Tuesday. Nico Collins missed, so definitely something that we'll have to keep an eye on throughout the week. Obviously, I think if either of them played, that would kind of take Chris Moore out of consideration. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Brandon Cooks is 4,900 as well. Yeah, no, that's that would definitely be a, a conversation worth having. The other two players I had written down besides the ones that you mentioned were DJ Moore at 5,500, not quite as much of a value as these sub 5k guys. But again, like the talent is there with DJ Moore. The matchup is definitely there at home against the Lions. The Panthers surprisingly still in the playoff picture trying to make a push here. They could definitely win this game against the Lions. You know, I I did say last week that the Lions would win out. They did beat the Jets per my prediction. And I don't know. I mean, I think this Carolina game is their biggest potential to fail. So, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I could definitely see DJ Moore succeeding in this spot. He's really been touchdown or bust this year. He's just not getting the volume that he used to. He hasn't had more than six targets since week eight, but there's been a lot of turbulence in terms of, you know, they've had like four different starting quarterbacks this year. It's just been pretty ugly, Um, but more at 5,500 in a really great matchup against Detroit looks good. And then I, w- I would throw Demarcus Robinson into that same sort of punt off tier as guys like Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins. I mean, he is the Baltimore Ravens undisputed wide receiver one over the last month, six plus targets in four out of his last five games. Devin Duvernay set to be on IR going forward after injuring himself in practice and Robinson gets a good matchup against Atlanta as well. Like if you played Demarcus Robinson in cash in, in the year 2020, like I, I don't know what to say. I mean, like, what, what's the difference between nah. him and Isaiah Hodgins or Richie James? They're all stone cold scrubs. To be honest, <laughs> I mean, fair point, fair point. But at, at least they're they're younger and cooler. True. I I forgot about the cool factor. Let me let me factor that into the projections. Give that a yeah. little bump. But I mean, nah, I'm never playing Demarcus Robinson in, in cash. So can't can't believe you even brought him up. <laughs> That's fair. All right. 
tight end position. I mean, maybe I'm bugging with this, but I think that there's actually a pretty reasonable case to be made that Travis Kelsey is legitimately in consideration, even at 8K. He gets essentially the best matchup on the slate. You know, the the Seahawks are a tight end funnel. Obviously, we know what Travis Kelsey is doing at the position right now, averaging 21 fantasy points per game. The next closest tight end is Mark Andrews at 13.1. The gap getting bigger and bigger in terms of Kelsey as a separator. And like compared to the wide receivers in that range, I think that he stands above all of them. Like, I think that, you know, with cheap wide receivers available that are sort of in the price range of the tight ends we usually play, like, I don't see why it would be crazy this week to prioritize paying up for Kelsey and playing a cheap wide receiver instead of playing a cheap tight end and paying up at wide receiver like we typically do. Kelsey, to me, would be the best play at the wide receiver position if he were listed there at 8K or above. Oh, no, absolutely. Don't know if I can go there in cash, to be honest. Like you said, at the running back position, if you're paying up to two expensive running backs, and and let's say like Delvin or Derrick Henry or CMC or Saquon, like, do you have the uh, DraftKings salary boost that I don't? No, but I I mean, we got you know, potentially two receivers under 5k. We got a quarterback under 5k. I mean, there there's ways uh, to there's potentially make it work, especially if Kenneth Walker gets cleared and that looks good. I mean, I don't think that it's out of play. I don't think that it's like a lock, but I, I depending on how things shake out throughout the week, I think it's a conversation and it's not a conversation that we usually have. I mean, we usually don't talk about a tight end over 4k in cash. And I think Kelsey's a legitimate decision point this week. Yeah. I mean, for sure. See, it's it's always tough because it's like Mark Andrews is is, is twenty five hundred less, right? And and we know like the talent is there with Mark Andrews, but the, the production hasn't been. Obviously, the game environment isn't as good, and he he's been bad. But bro, forgot that, how to catch the ball. Travis Kelsey had twice as many catches last week as Mark Andrews has over the last two. Like th- <laughs> this shit ain't clicking in Baltimore right now. Yeah. It's tough. You know, I I still think that I want to play a cheap tight end. (laughs) I don't blame Uh, you. You know, I mean, we we have Chig at at 3.5 at home against Houston. He's seen five-plus targets in four straight games, 10-plus DraftKings points in three straight games. And really with the tight end position, and I mean, we we said this a ton over the course of the years, like there's just not a ton of games that kill you, you know, especially at 8K, right? Like Kelsey would need 27 to to 30 points to to really hurt you, in my opinion. And if we're just looking at that benchmark, he's only gone over that three times this year. So it's like at his price tag, you really, really need a monster game out of him for him to separate just due to his price but the advantage that he gives you is very very high so it's definitely a conversation the cheap tight ends are pretty horrible this week so i think this is a week where you could get away with paying up to tight end even though you know it goes against our entire brand it goes against my identity <laughs> it goes I don't against know what to do your morals as a human being yeah you know your soul it, it pains you it pains there, there's me. there's no cheap tight ends besides chick that no. I'd be interested in. Yeah, and, no. and maybe Juwan Johnson. Shout out Juwan Johnson. Yeah, no, I mean, shout out Juwan Johnson. Um, Yeah, no, I think Chig is definitely the standout play. I mean, that's a ticket that just keeps on cashing. I like that. And then, I mean, I think you could potentially throw the Seattle guys into play. They just literally, I mean, liter- let me tell you about the wide receivers that Seattle has uh, with Tyler Lockett out. Obviously, you got DK Metcalf there. You have Marquise Goodwin, who he should have some volume, but he's a scrub. Then they have Derike Young. Penny Hart and Laquan Treadwell. I mean, I haven't even heard of two of those people. And Laquan Treadwell is a certified scrub. So I, I just, it's nasty. I think Noah Fant's probably the best pass catcher on the team other than DK Metcalf. He is 
also missed practice this week. He may not play, which would put Will Disley into potential play mm. at 2,700. And that's absolutely disgusting. I mean, that's worse than bringing up Demarcus Robinson in 2022. Bro, don't don't bring up Will Dusley. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's what, what are we doing? I don't, I don't, bro. Well, Disley, I mean, what are we doing here, bro? Six fantasy points per game. You, you wouldn't take a six ball at twenty seven hundred. I mean, I guess it's okay, but I mean, he hasn't scored six since week seven, which was like two months ago. Yeah, he's horrible, and that's just the state of the tight end position. It's 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 gross. His fantasy points per game is skewed because he scored three touchdowns in his first four games. Mm. <laughs> Context, very, very important, the context. All right, let's talk about tournament strategy, leverage, stacks, and long shots. I mean, you know, clear cut, when you have a week like this, we talk about it pretty often, I think, but like when you have a direction that the entire field is going to go, which I think is going to be paying down at quarterback this week, spending up at running back, just doing the opposite gives you a huge chance to win. I mean, playing, you know, any high-priced quarterback other than Patrick Mahomes, I think would be getting leverage on the field, whether that be Josh Allen or Justin Fields or... Even Lamar Jackson, who you mentioned, I mean, I think Lamar is potentially, if if Lamar Jackson returns, I think that would be one of my favorite directions to try and go in tournaments. Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, who you mentioned is underpriced at 5,500 with a Drake London bring back actually sounds pretty juicy to me. So, I mean, in terms of like leverage, I think that would be a unique build, especially if you throw in a high priced wide receiver and try and save it running back. And then, you know, as a stack itself, I think would be extremely low owned as well. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, I think the the best way to get leverage on this slate in my opinion is just like fading the weather especially if certain games get lower owned because of the weather like it's going to be cold there there's going to be wind for sure especially across the northeast and it seems like a lot of the these games are in the northeast where uh the, all of the stadiums are open right that doesn't make too much sense to me <laughs> but i mean the the northeast teams in bad weather cities all have open stadiums and then the rest of the country which has nice weather pretty much all year round especially west and south all have domes <laughs> i never thought okay. about it like that. that that really doesn't make sense okay yeah i mean yeah just just had to, just had to get that off but that's the leverage play for sure this week so fading uh the weather the weather bros and just playing players that are good at football and have ceilings if josh allen gets less owned because of the potential weather in chicago like i'd play josh allen in tournaments ceiling is obviously very high with josh allen 39 points against miami last week obviously the concern is the bears ability to push the bills in this spot the bears really didn't push the eagles at all last week like they kept it close but they didn't really do much and Jalen Hurts scored 39 against this Bears defense. I mean, they are just horrible. So Josh Allen, 8,500, looks pretty solid as a tournament pivot, especially if he gets low-owned. And, you know, obviously my, my favorite stacks would, would be Seattle, Kansas City. I think that I think that the, the Bengals stack looks good against the Patriots, you know, especially if we get Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, all at lower ownership. I mean, we, we've seen this Patriots team. They can get cooked against good quarterbacks and good wide receivers so that that'd be my favorite low on stack bangle stuff this week do you think that the dallas philly game can shoot out with gardner Minshew, or does that kind of take that out of play no i mean like i said at the top when talking about Minshew, he has everything you need yeah. he has elite skill talent an elite offensive line an elite head coach 
I think this game could definitely shoot out with Gardner. I mean, I kind of think that the Philly pass catchers are going to be lower owned than they should be. I mean, I, I mean, it makes more sense, in my opinion, to double stack Gardner Minshew than it does at Jalen Hurts, not only because of the price discount, but because you're not getting the the vulturing through the rushing that Jalen Hurts provides. So like, I feel like if the team puts up a lot of points, that it's probably coming through passing touchdowns opposed to like Jalen Hurts rushing stuff. So I kind of like the idea of playing Eagles double stacks if we get that at low ownership. And then you have obvious bringbacks, you know, high ceiling bringbacks on the Cowboys, whether it's CeeDee Lamb, Tony Pollard, or, or whomever you'd like from that perspective. But I mean, that game projected with Jalen Hurts to be the best game on the slate takes a big hit with Minshew. But if Minshew is good and and can play well in this spot, which I mean, I think he's probably one of the better, more competent backup quarterbacks than, like you said, all the factors are there for this game to be a sneaky high scoring game, in my opinion. Again, also in a dome. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Got any long shots for the people here? AJ Brown looks good. Just going off what you said, 8,100. Just have to see his ownership, right? Like, yeah. That I is can't definitely, imagine he'll be high owned, to be honest with you. I, I really yeah. don't think so. I, th- I think he'll probably be 10% or less. Yep. Um, So if that's the case, A.J. Brown, just going based off everything that we said, uh, and we do have some confidence that Gardner Minshew can at least keep the game competitive. A- at least I do. And I-, I I do like stacking that game. You know, just stacking the best games on the slates is probably the optimal strategy on a slate like this, where there's not a ton of games, there's not a ton of teams that I'm too interested in like we we haven't talked a lot about certain games and I I think that's for a reason like like uh, is anybody realistically going to play like Houston Tennessee stuff or Brown Saints just just don't really have interest in a lot of these spots to be honest so AJ Brown definitely one of them for sure I think that you know another spot that that I really like is the giant stuff against the Vikings and and Darius Slayton is 5200 can we get a Godius ceiling week I mean, he's playing the literal stone worst secondary in the league and especially the type of wide receivers that tend to beat Minnesota are speed guys, which is what Darius Slayton is. I mean, yeah, like we talked about Richie James and Hodgins in terms of cash consideration. They're probably going to each get six targets. They're, you know, going to move the chains a little bit, but I don't think there's much of a ceiling there for either of them. Godius does have a ceiling. And I think that, you know, if ever there were a spot, if if ever there were a time to channel the Godius love, it's a week like this. I like that call quite a bit. Yeah. He'd be good leverage too, especially if those uh, two cheaper guys end up getting steamed in terms of ownership, which I I could definitely see happening. Yeah, I mean, one of two games being played in a dome this week, you know, every other game on this slate is being played outside where weather may impact the game environment, uh, not in New York Giants, Minnesota. So maybe that game is, you know, a sneaky uh, game to target. I mean, 48 and a half total. Is anybody going to play Giants stuff? Is anybody going to play Daniel Jones? against his Vikings secondary. Daniel Jones is 5,600 in one of the best spots on the slate. Viking stuff, maybe it doesn't go under-owned. Um, you know, we talked about Cook there for a second, but Cook, 7,200, great spot for him. Jefferson, you know, you, you still got the cheap Vikings wide receivers. KJ Osborne coming off of a monster game against the Colts. TJ Hawkinson, 4,900. This is the game, to be honest. Yeah, I, I could see that. I could definitely, definitely see that. I mean, trusting a Daniel Jones Kirk Cousins shootout sounds a little nasty to me, but I mean, I there's all the pieces, the defenses there, there's are there. But in terms of the context of the slate, right? You know, there there's not much that looks interesting. You know, when the Saints game has a 32 total. Falcons game has a 37 and a half. Titans game has a 37. Washington game has a 38. The Bills game has a 40 and a half. (laughs) 
Uh, bagels, 41 and a half. Lions, 43 and a half total. Man, 40 and a half sounds really low for, for Josh Allen v. Justin Fields. And their team total has been bet down three points as well. Yeah, I mean, that seems to me like an overcorrection. I think that it was probably too high, but at this point, I think the value is probably on the over. I, I don't know, though. Something to consider, I think. Um, I'll give out one more long shot here from one of those nasty games that you just mentioned, and, and that would be J.K. Dobbins, who has run for 120 or more yards in consecutive weeks. He just looks so good out there right now, so efficient. He gets a spot against Atlanta at home. Really good matchup for him. Atlanta's been giving up a ton of rushing yards, especially lately over the last three weeks giving up 154.7 yards per game I, I think that spot sets up really well if you just want to continue to bank on jk dobbins unreal efficiency and i think he has the talent in the matchup to to continue that stretch right here yeah i mean i don't i don't mind him um obviously you're getting nothing in the passing game from jk dobbins and the price tag is expensive so you're just uh, betting on touchdowns in my opinion would jk to win you a tournament especially when he's around like Jarek mckinnon pacheco you know on a better team better game environment kenneth walker is only 600 more than jk dobbins i mean i, I think we we know where we're going with this I, i'm never playing jk dobbins just as i'm never playing nick chubb so that's that's fair. I mean, I think on a slate like this, there's a, a strong potential that we don't see like more than three or four running backs score over 20 points, though. Like this is going to be a low scoring week if I've ever seen one. So I think that you can open up your player pool a, a little bit because the caliber of ceiling you're going to need is probably lower than it is on a traditional main slate. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, no, just, <laughs> just nah. Nah. Sorry, sorry to sorry to burst your bubble. It's okay. I'll blow some more. All right, that is going to be it <laughs> for episode two seventy six of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Dose Media Net as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on within the network, you can join our inner circle via the free Discord chat. Link to find that is in the show notes to this podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Bye.